You are now listening to Cyber Time Bite, hosted by me, Stephen Clark. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey there, everybody. Um, this is Stephen from Cyber Time Bite, episode 139. And today... We are. I am here with someone who who is ringmaster slash side act as a jester sometimes, and runs a really fine show. I have I haven't got a chance to watch it yet because I don't know where you can watch it. Um, probably somewhere on YouTube or somewhere else. I'll find that out today. Um, today I am with Jerome of Gaslight Circus, who is also, you know, like I said, ringmaster slash jester of in the acts of their shows. Hi. How's it going? Good. How's it going for you? <laughs> it's been a year. Been quite a year. It really, it really has. Um, yeah. So let's let's start right from the beginning. Like, um, what kind of? I I guess it, when it comes to what you do, it really it really shows of what you were when you were like younger, like like really small. So like, what got you fascinated and interested in doing the whole circus thing? And and like how did it become, and how did it become to be what it is today? Like like how did you start in it, and how did you make it become how it is today? So starting all the way from the beginning, uh, it was through my uncle. Uh, my uncle performed in the '80s with Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey. He was one of their clowns. So I've kind of come from a family of clowns. Um, after a few years of kind of deciding, will I won't I become a circus clown? Uh, I kind of went my own way for a little bit and dabbled in professional wrestling before coming back to the circus and uh, opened Gaslight Circus in 2016. But from about 2010 to 2016, I performed solo under the name Jared the Jester, also calling myself the Clown Prince of Arizona. Mm hmm. And so so like so you were so you were so your family, well, most of your family or your or like you said, your uncle um what like started as a circus clown for Ring of Bars back in the day, back in the eighties. Um, so it's funny that you say that because I actually I don't know if you remember this ringmaster from Ring of Bars. He was, he went by Kit Haskett. And I know the name Kit Haskett. Yeah, he I interviewed his daughter on my podcast. And, oh, that's cool. Uh huh. Yeah, actually, on uh, on my podcast, one of the last episodes I recently did was talking about uh, circus shows getting theatrical stories and singers. And when I was doing research on some of the first singing ringmasters, Ringling Brothers employed. Uh, I remember seeing that Kit Haskett was one of the first ones. Yeah, his his um his daughter is actually really nice and really really um cool, and she has a lot of great stories. I mean, I can uh if if you want if you want me to, I can ask her the if I can ask her if she if she would like to do a uh you know a interview with you if you want if you like yeah that'd be fun yeah so and you said you dabbled in professional wrestling where are we talking here uh so i had a brief stint with a, a small indie promotion called the awf arizona wrestling federation uh i trained for about two years and uh after getting to the point where i was almost set to make a debut on a show Life happened, and due to one thing, I was mentally disqualified from uh, competing and uh, just kind of totally took the wind out of my sails for, for getting in the ring for a while. And in kind of a depressive who-am-I-now kind of fit, I got into juggling and got back into the circus. So uh, were you a fan? I, I know this is a, I'm bringing a little wrestling mark out of me right now, but um, I know. But um, did... Were you a fan? Were you a fan of wrestling and the circus at the same time growing up, or was it just like I was a you were a, a huge wrestling fan and you tried to get into wrestling, it didn't work out, and then you were got a fan, and then you became fan of the circus and you started doing circus things, and it got you interested to do it, and then it became the thing that you did for the rest of your life, sort of thing. Uh, it's a bit of both. I mean, I've been a pretty big fan of both uh, for a while, but it was definitely uh my my main goal was to wrestle, and then. Circus became a fallback after, you know, finding out that 
producing a circus show and producing a wrestling show, there's a lot of parallels, like a lot of, because you're going to understand some of the words I'm going to use here. <laughs> um, a lot of terminology uh, crosses over. Like you're booking a circus show, you've got your headliners, you've got who's going over, you've got your undercard, you've got your faces and heels, especially circus shows that tell stories. Like uh, I like to play heel on stage all the time. And it, it just, it was a very easy transition because there were so many parallels since if you go back as far as the 1930s with like Toots Mont and, you know, Brumar San Martino, uh, you know, wrestling started in carnivals. So it's kind of a branch off of like OG circus. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and I mean, you didn't get any heat for being the heel at the circus, right? You never got really much heat at all. I mean, unless you did. I mean, it's, it's hard to get heat when you're kind of the guy in control, but no, I, I always try and, and make sure that like, you know, if you're talking like backstage heat, no, there's no backstage heat, but I've, I've done stuff on stage to where my, my goal is to, is to definitely be the bad guy in some shows. And I've done some, some stuff on stage that is really, uh, I once took, um, we had a show where we had me as a ringmaster and, and, uh, my partner as a ringmaster and it was going to be a, who was the better ringmaster kind of show. And halfway through the show, I stuffed them inside of the giant mail sack and, uh, got like just raining down booze on me from these little kids in the front row. It was awesome. I love being the bad guy. That sounds awesome. Um, so I don't know if you can say it because it's always been a thing in circus and circus lore, that no one really knows how it works, but how do you fit all the clowns in those, in those tiny cars? Very, very carefully. You also take out a bunch of seats and stuff. <laughs> and then you just, you know, you kind of draw straws and see who's on the bottom of the car. If you're on the bottom, you're the seat for everybody else. No, that's, that's crazy. I mean, I, I still don't understand it after, after you explain it, but I mean, uh, it, that's just the, that's just the fun of it, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The, the cool whole key thing to circus is being able to, we do things that other people can't perceive as normal, you know, kind of a bit of wonder and amazement and how did they do that? Um, here's an interesting question. One that I, one that, that you would think that, um, it's just as wonderful as that last question. Um, favorite ringmaster. Favorite remaster of all time. That is that's easy. That would be uh, Jonathan Lee Iverson from Ringling Brothers. Uh, currently the remaster of Omnium Circus. He opened his own show actually. That's uh, planning to bring a, a big top circus touring around the U.S. when uh, when live shows can resume. They're online right now. Uh, he's an opera trained singer. Uh, he was the youngest ringmaster to ever join Ringling Brothers. He was the first African American ringmaster, and he was just the the very first show he did on the West Coast was in Phoenix, and it was also the very first show I got to go to as a kid. That's really cool. I mean, Jonathan Lee Iverson is like, like probably the best. I mean, like he he's really awesome. He's really nice. He 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 did his job really well. And he's probably like the most powerful and imposing looking ringmaster probably since like P.T. Barnum. You know, uh, when he enters a room, you notice. And uh, I've never seen someone have a, a voice that booms like that. Um, so it was, it was no surprise that when, when Ringling Brothers closed in 2017, that like every other independent circus in the U S was like, we got to try and get JLI on the show and mostly shows in Texas succeeded because I was living for a while. So like, so did you, so tell me about the history about your guys' own circus gaslight. Um, did it, did it start during the dying days of Ringling Brothers? So you guys just had that perfect opportunity from one day for the close down that you guys were going to go up. Or what? Or did you guys like start like after they closed down because you knew that the circus thing was was getting was kind of had like an open hole, an open gap, and you guys can just slot yourself in and be like, we're here now because Ring of Blurs is not here anymore. They they closed down, so now we're here and we'll entertain you or something like that. Uh, I mean, it wasn't so much that we were trying to, like, compete with them or anything. Because, um, mm -hmm. of course, I have loads of respect for, for that entire production and everything. And there have been rumors of it allegedly coming back at some point. That There was being talks that happening in 2020 that got shut down because of uh, COVID. So it's not happening now because the people who own Ringling Brothers laid off, like, 90% of their staff. But for us, um, no, we were just big circus fans. You know, before I, I opened uh, with Gaslight Circus, I uh, was in a sideshow in Phoenix called uh, Mystic Circus. Um, and it was a show that did a lot of, like, 18-plus crude humor, like, body modification stuff. And 
after being in that scene for a while, I was kind of getting sick of it and didn't think we were being super entertaining. And it was just kind of like a, a self satisfying show. So I, after a while I quit and um, joined another show for a while that promised to be better, wound up being the same thing. I quit that show too. And uh, eventually just said, screw it. I'm just going to open my own show and, and be the show that I want to be. So like, um, so like, do do you incorporate the music taste that you love into the show, or do you, um, or do you like incorporate like, like different like different kinds of music, like the standard circus stuff, or, or just other kinds of music? I mean, I know I know my question doesn't isn't it's kind of confusing, but I mean like you know what I oh, mean? Oh no, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah, we use all kinds of music. Um, if I find like a traditional circus track that we can use, we will absolutely use it. Uh, except, except the one called "Entry of the Gladiators." It's like you know, net 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 net. I hate that song. I've been in the circus for ten years. I hate that song. I will never put it in a show. But um, you know, we've used stuff. We've used rap, rock, metal, uh, pop songs, R and B songs. Um, we try and tailor every performance to what the performer wants to perform to to an extent our our shows always tell stories and if we can use different tastes of music to tell that story we definitely do uh but then we also have shows where we're like okay everybody this is the theme of the show please look for some music that sounds like this um you know because not everyone likes the same kind of music that i do i love stuff like you know power metal uh with orchestra numbers like nightwish and stuff like that i love kiss and sabotage mm -hmm. and not every circus show needs to be a metal circus show at least that's what my 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 staff keeps telling me. <laughs> I mean, we I agree on your music taste because I love Metallica and Kiss and all those kind of bands. Um, so, our music taste, I I love it. Um, Solid. So, like, have have you ever got in contact with Jonathan Lee Iverson? Has he ever seen your show, or does he know you guys as this? And and he was like. You guys are actually pretty cool. Like, like, did you got? Did you actually? Did you have that mark out moment, as they say in the wrestling business, when they were like, "Oh my God, he saw my show." Um, I I not that I know of, but I have thought about um trying to reach out because I know he does a circus podcast too called In the Center Ring, and um it started a, just like maybe a few weeks before my show started, uh my my podcast, and I've thought about trying to just throw out an email and just be like, hey notice me come on my podcast but honestly if he said yes i don't know what i'd do because i would absolutely mark out that'd be like that'd be like the circus equivalent to running into mick foley at a waffle house or something i don't know what i'd do <laughs> yeah because because running into mick foley at a waffle house that would be amazing he's my favorite he, he's my second favorite legend by the way next to mr perfect but I mean, solid um so like um I mean, like, I see that I see that you do the circus today. Uh, today is like what you do. Um, do you still do you still keep up the business on top of on top of doing your circus stuff? Like, do you still watch today's product? Or are you more a fan of the product product of the past? Oh, I definitely watch the product now. I think the only thing I don't regularly watch just because I keep forgetting is Ring of Honor. I don't watch a lot of Ring of Honor, but I watch New Japan, WWE, AEW, Impact, um, especially with the whole crossovers that are happening on those shows right now. Mm -hmm. Well, not with WWE, but the other ones, you know. Um, I definitely still have a very, very uh, alive and well love for the industry. Um, do you, are you a proud owner of the network? Uh, I was for a little bit. I'm, I'm currently not now. Um, mainly because, you know, since there are no fans and stuff and they're not doing a whole lot of their usual content, uh, just the, they're not really putting a whole lot of content out that I feel like paying for. Like shows like Ride Along, Table for Three, you know, you can only watch Untold or 24 like so many times before you're like, eh, I'm just I'm just going to find a live stream of the pay-per-view and watch somewhere else. Yeah, because I thought I thought what really would grab you would be like all that classic content, which is half the reason why I have it because I can watch my ECW, my WCW and my WWE and everything else. Yeah. And, and I definitely do watch a lot of the classic stuff. Like when I, I first, I got the network when it first launched and I want the minute I did, I was coming through all the old ECW stuff. Um, that's actually one of the things I've been watching um, impact recently on Tuesdays is they've been uh, doing some really cool nostalgia stuff with Tommy dreamer. And I'm a huge Tommy dreamer fan. Oh dude, I met, I got to meet Tommy dreamer and he he was so freaking nice. He like I like he just like came, like I came up to him and I gave him like my, my little uh, podcasting card, you know, that I give out to people who want so they can so I can put the podcast out there. And I gave him one 
And he said that he can't do the podcast because he's under rights and contract and whatever with Sirius, Sirius XM for his uh, Busted Open show. And so he, so in return, he actually recorded on my phone an intro for my podcast. That's awesome. And I, I got to meet Raven too, but like I didn't really get to have full conversation with Raven. But he seems like a very, you know, introverted guy, Raven. Yeah, he he's he's kind of he's kind of like an emo child. I just never left his emo phase. Yeah, it just seems to keep going and going and going. So like, I I know we're going on to wrestling craze now, but um, but like if we're but if we're talking from those three companies, ECW, WCW, and the WWE, um, which which one do you like the do you like the most? And to bring in the circus along with this, with if you're to compare what level your circus is on between those three companies, if you this was back in the day, back when those companies were still alive, and your circus was like on like a scale level of those three, which one would you? Which one do you like? Which company do you like the most? And which level would you put your circus in on the levels of those companies? Uh, well, I mean, as far as um, like where where I think my my own company sits in a comparison, I'd say we're very much a little bit like late '90s um, ECW. You know, back when like they were getting used for bigger shows and stuff. You know, and uh, showing up in the Monday Night Wars and lot of stuff. But most importantly, because of the fan buzz, having a very loyal, dedicated fan base. Uh, the circus scene in Arizona is very one-sided. You're either a sideshow clown or a uh, rave kid, and there's not a whole lot for traditional like theater circus stuff. So when Gaslight came out, um, we were a whole different ball game, kind of like how ECW was back in the day. It wasn't something that was being seen a whole lot in American television. Mm -hmm. uh, we're kind of the same thing in that we're putting on shows where you know you're not going to see the same thing. You're not going to see somebody in fluffy Aladdin pants spinning fire and spinning circles. You're going to see acrobats. You're going to see Lyra performers. You're going to see, you know, actual jugglers, and you're going to see strongmen and stuff like that. And all that's accompanying with sometimes live music and singers and dancers. And it's not just, I've got a piece of, i got a, a set of poi, and I've been to Burning Man twice. Look at me. Um, it was a whole different thing, and it was a really strong alternative. So I'd rank us kind of in that, ECW in terms of like popularity and and drive and passion, mm -hmm. but as far as like how I think we look, I think sometimes I feel like we look a little bit like WCW in like that last year they were open. I'm like I'm talking Scott Steiner walking a freaking tire to the ring for no reason at all. Oh, Just yeah. that kind of what is happening? What are they doing? I like this, but I'm also confused. That's kind of what we do. That's what, I think that when when you watch anything from WCW at the end there. You, you're like, I don't know what's going on, but I love it. <laughs> exactly. That was kind of something that I said on, uh, I posted on Twitter once that I, I was watching like the death throes of WCW. And one of the things that I, I posted was that even though WCW was an absolute train wreck in its last year of business, I always mark out for Crowbar. And shortly after that, Crowbar followed me on Twitter and sent me a DM saying that he liked my circus stuff. So I kind of popped a little bit because I got a compliment from Crowbar. Yeah, Crowbar is something else these days. And, and, you know, for the longest time, I mixed Crowbar with Canyon by accident because I thought they were, like, the same person at one point. They look similar. Chris Canyon and Crow look similar. Yeah, back in the day when they were in WCW, they wore, they looked a lot, they looked a lot alike, but, you know, they were different in their different ways. But, um... Yeah, exactly. But, I've actually been thinking about, um, with our online web series, um, I'm talking about doing a, a video segment that's kind of like... Have you seen Crowbar's, uh, his his Twitter promos with, the with like, the wine and stuff and the black and white videos? Yeah, I've seen those. Well, I'm I'm talking about doing a couple of those, just as kind of a nod to Crowbar, just for kicks. That that's that's really that's really awesome. Uh, who who was um yeah, but like but like going back to that um, question that you I mean you described it great, but like for if you're if the circuit if you weren't putting your circuits involved and you were just looking at the companies as themselves, which one do which one do you like the most? Do you are you a big ECW fan over the R two if you had the choice? In that time frame, uh, yes. Any anything like when it comes to like the '90s, early 2000s before ECW closed, uh, definitely would be ECW, uh, WWE, and then WCW. Yeah, because you see, for me, I love ECW, so yeah, I put ECW on top for me personally too. But like it, for me, it's like ECW, WCW, then the WWE. Even though the WWE was really good when it was the Federation back in the day, I mean, it was good. 
no, they're the big league, so I mean they're just they're just good for what they are. But like the R two, I mean they had their uniqueness. I mean like you know WCW worked with Japan and they had their cruiserweight divisions and then they had their their lucha libre yeah, I mean, stuff. Like loads of American fans uh, would have otherwise never heard of the Great Muda if they didn't watch WCW. Yeah, I mean didn't didn't Great Muda have a little run, little stint in ECW or I'm thinking someone else. I can't remember. Uh, most of the things that I see a great mood on American TV around that time was he did a bit, uh, he did a, a storyline in WCW that involved Vampiro, the Demon, and the Insane Clown Posse, which was really weird. Like they, they apparently it was originally supposed to be Vampiro and ICP, and then for one reason or another, Vampiro was written off TV, and they put Muda in the place of him, and it looked so out of place. You know, speaking of you know, speaking of ICP, it's so crazy. Because like uh, you you may remember this. Remember when Mike Awesome jumped to WCW and he did the whole that seventy guys gimmick? Yeah, that seventies Mike Awesome. Yeah, he took. Did you see that he like he power? I don't know which one it was. I think it was Shaggy Two Dope, the the skinnier one. He he did the he did the the Awesome Bomb to him on top of the bus and he slid off the bus and almost like cracked his head open, falling off the bus. Yeah, that sounds familiar. I'm not as I'm not really an ICP fan at all, so I have no idea who's who. Yeah, that that was that was nuts, <laughs> and um, and you know, speaking, I mean, like I, I talked about this with someone else on my podcast like, a while ago. I may you may know him because you're an ECW freak, or Mark, like I am. Um, you may know Front Row Material, right? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah, I um, they have the their host that they have is uh, Mike Freeland. And I had him on the podcast, and we were talking about that, and everyone thought that the guy who got the the ICP member that got powerbombed off the bus was Mikey Whipwreck for some reason. That's because in that time, if you saw a wicked bump, if it wasn't Spike Dudley, it was Mikey Whipwreck. <laughs> yeah, because Spike Dudley, Spike Dudley was someone else. He he was something else. He was a else. human missile. <laughs> who? No, who? Not by choice, but he was a human missile. <laughs> The, from all the yeah, from all those kind of gimmicks like the human missile gimmick, like like Spike Dudley and Mikey Whipwreck and p- gimmicks like those. Which one was your, which one was your favorite? Who was your favorite who did that kind of stuff? Like if you had like a favorite guy who did that did that kind of stuff the most. I mean, it was definitely Spike because it was so he was so versatile with it. You know, it's 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 he's the guy that no matter who he's against. Whoever he's against is going to be able to pick him up clean and easy and just chuck him somewhere. Bumps great, you know. Ragdoll's fantastic. Uh, just kind of wrote the book on that whole thing. The um, if now if you were gonna take a wrestler from the past, alive or dead, um, the the put into your circus, who would you put in there? Like who you think would work the best? I mean, except Mason Ryan, because then he does the the circus do freak stuff, not not do freak, yeah. circus LA stuff. Uh, if I had to pick any wrestler alive or dead to be in Gaslight Circus in some form, that's super easy, actually. Um, that would have been, and it would have been as a ringmaster of some kind, too, because I think he would have been fantastic. That would have actually been one we recently lost, and that would have been Brody Lee. Oh, man, Brody Lee, man. That was, that really, that, that really hurt, man. That, that, was... that hurt. I watched that AEW special, and I was like, just... I was holding it together, and then they have the whole spot where where Eric Redbeard Rowan comes out, and he's holding the sign that says "See you down the road," which is a, a circus like farewell that we use in the business. And I just lost it. I was like, "Baby, did did where did he end up buying the AEW tribute shirt to his uh to his to his passing that says Brody Lee?" Yeah, yeah, I did. I yeah. got one. Yeah, I got that too because I had. I mean, he was he was my favorite out of the Wyatt family, honestly. He was awesome. He had so much potential and wasn't getting used right. And then when they brought him in to lead Dark Order, it was like, this is really cool. Especially because I mean, the, the whole pivot where, you know, leading up to Brody debuting, everyone thought it was going to be Matt Hardy. And then it wasn't. I was I, I marked out and I was like, oh, it's not Matt. I wasn't expecting Brody. This is awesome. Do you, um, do you see Brody as like doing his yeah 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 thing as a ringmaster or something or like what like what what act what kind of act or or performance do you see him doing in your circus if you were to have him there i think there'd be a little bit of both there'd be a little bit of mr brody lee and then there'd be a little bit of luke harper because his whole you know yeah yeah gimmick would would definitely be a great attention grabber for a talker trying to uh, get attention for the fans and stuff but then once he had their attention you know he'd be full you know just 
debonair uh mr brody lee you know big imposing figure uh larger than life mm-hmm. and and you said and you were talking about earlier about how you like singing and music and booming voices sort of um at least that's what you said about um jonathan lee iverson but but from the from what i can tell from you like you, you like incorporating music into your shows what singer of any kind do you can you see like um doing like would you like to be in your show like 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 would you like to have like gene simmons or or paul paul stanley or stuff or people like those or anyone it's definitely a tie on that one um definitely paul stanley because you know uh the first kiss album i ever heard was psycho circus and i fell in love with that but that just paul's got a great voice uh the other one who i think would be a close second or at least who i'd call if paul said no uh, is named uh, Tobias Sammet. Uh, he's the frontman for a group called Avantasia. He's on a band called Ed Guy. Great German uh, orchestral metal singer who's got a really crazy, he's got a really good range and is very, very Paul Stanley esque, but he's already done more um, circus and story driven shows. So he has a bit of a, more of a vocal endurance or something like that. You know, Paul will do great even today and, you know, 70 years old, but, but Tobias Sammet's half his age and can sing at a full tilt for like 15 minutes straight. That no, that's really cool. I mean, I I never heard. I mean, I know Paul Stanley, but the other guy that you that you were talking about, I didn't. I never heard of him before. But I'm gonna. But I'll, yeah. but I'll believe you. I mean, it's it seems pretty cool. Um. So like, what? What's your favorite show you guys ever done in the past? Because you know you haven't done any this year or possibly last year either because of the COVID. But like, but what's the favorite sh- from memory and what you remember? What's the favorite show that you ever done? Uh, I mean, almost every show has some kind of little tidbit thing that I like, but I would definitely say my favorite one right now is one we did it in 2017. It was called uh, Six Feet Under. It was an old Western show theme that we did. And the headliner was me. And uh, the headlining act was I was going to perform the bullet catch magic trick uh, where I had somebody load a uh, 45 caliber revolver and fire it at me from about 10 paces away. And I was going to catch the bullet in my mouth which I managed to do and not die. I'm the only man in Arizona to do it and not get killed. That is nuts. <laughs> wait, wait. That's what the promoter said. <laughs> but you're the, you're the promoter, though. You're the booker. Well, the guy who owns the venue. But I also would look in myself in the mirror and go, you're out of your mind, you know that? <laughs> I would never do that. If you told me to do that, I would be straight up say, nope, I, I don't care how much you're paying me. I'm not doing it. <laughs> It was a draw, man. I knew it was in a draw. Like as, as soon as I, I put the the PR out there that I was going to catch a bullet, the ticket sales just spiked. You know, it was a great decision. Um, so so like was was Char in that show? The person I had in my podcast that year that works for you? Uh, no, Char hadn't joined the show yet. Uh, Char is um they're they're kind of a recent addition. I think maybe in the past year and a half they started out as a fan. And then uh, I was introduced to them and I saw their artwork and everything. And they asked they could design stuff for the show. And I said, yeah, you know, throw some stuff together and see what you can do. And I really like what they've done so far. Some of the stuff that they've sent me. Yeah. Because, um, how, I, I, I guess, I guess, I don't know if that was technically answering it, but I'll just ask anyway, is that like, how did you and like, how did you and Char like meet? Was it just because Char used to just come to the shows all the time and you just ran into each other and, 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 Char said, hey, I do art. You want to see my art? Or like... Uh, we actually met through a performer uh, in the show. Uh, his name's Tom, or Tomo the Clown. He was, he's one of our original performers that we still have in the show. He's been around since day one. Uh, and they he introduced me to uh, Char. Mm-hmm. And so, like... So, like, do you have, like, a favorite, like, design t-shirt or anything that, that Char makes that, that you like, that, that you guys have been selling? that you really, really like saying like, Oh man, I really love this shirt. And I still have it to this day. Uh, well, I keep every shirt design. We definitely make, um, you know, we have a lot of really cool designs char. I, I have a lot of really cool ones that are like they've done. Uh, they've done a great job with, uh, like buttons and stickers and other shirt designs. And they actually had a, an, a design. They did, they did a drawing of me that, uh, we haven't used it yet for any PR, but it's been my phone screen since I got it. Cause I adore it so much. But my favorite thing that I think I've gotten from them was, um, I told them I wanted to do some kind of memorable design for, uh, for our performers. Um, so they designed a bunch of us to look like pop vinyls. 
pop, pop figures. And uh, they gave it to me in this little shrinky dink button that you put on your vest. And it is like my favorite thing that they've ever designed because it's so cool to look at yourself and go, ah, I'm a pop figure. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I like I like I'm I'm telling you right now, man, this is this is me like this is me just like telling you that like I know that one day you're going to go so well with this circus thing. That like it would be so it would be so popular that you guys will probably get your own pop figures like official pop figures. That'd be really cool. I mean, we've actually talked about turning bootleg ones too. You look for a mold online and just you know pour some resin in it and paint it. There you go. Like, so like if if Barn if Barn Bailey comes back, like if they if those talks do come true and they do come back, like. Are you guys, you guys will obviously still keep going, right? Because you're not just going to stop because the big boy, because the big boy in town came back. But, um. Oh, not at all. We'll probably knock on their door and say, can we come over and play with you guys every once in a while? Like, um, before, before they closed, uh, they were looking for a new ringmaster. They had a whole audition search and me and one other ringmaster from Gaslight named uh, Noah Brown. We both auditioned at the same time. We didn't get it, but, you know, we still were hopeful for it. But, um, if they were to come back, it'd be, we definitely would just be huge fans and want to go and see the show or try and find ways to partake. But, but yeah, Gaslight wouldn't go anywhere at all. We're definitely still in it for the long haul to be our own show. Um, as far as those talks go from like, I'll give you some insider circus stuff here. Yeah. Uh, when the talks started in like late 2019, when Feld Entertainment, they own Ringling Brothers, they own Monster Jam, Disney on Ice, they uh, renewed the, uh, the IP property for Ringling Brothers. And everyone was like, oh, they're not selling the property. What are they going to do with it? Because there were loads of people that wanted to buy it from them and reopen it. But Fell was like, nope, we're going to keep it. Nope, we're going to keep it. What are you going to use it for? They were like, nope, we we're not going to tell you. And then one day they just renewed it. And then on their website, uh, under the Ringling Brothers website, they had this one page that just said newsletter. It was the only page there. You couldn't go to, like, the shop or any show stuff. You just type in Ringling Brothers on Google, and it takes you there. And it lets you add into any kind of email uh, stuff for, like, casting and whatnot. So everyone was like, oh, man, they're going to come back. And then I heard from a friend of mine named Greg Payne. He used to do uh, program promotion for Ringling. He said, hey, I think they're going to do it. It's looking like 2020 might be your year, kid. Uh, and I was like, oh, man, I got to look for it. So that was the plan and then covid happened and then to to save their company feld the owners of ringling uh they laid off 90 percent of their audience um not audience their staff and uh so now rumor mill says they might try again in 2023 um even before covid i wasn't 100 percent sure about the rumors being true even after i heard from uh, from greg payne the thing that got me to mark out and go, oh, it's going to happen, was uh, Jonathan Lee Iverson post on his Instagram. In Instagram, It was a selfie that just said, oh, I'm just in the neighborhood. And he was standing outside the Feld offices. And I was like, oh, it's going to happen. And they're bringing him back. So 2023, maybe. That's all I know. That is nuts. <laughs> that That's like, because, um, you know, because, you know, old old stuff is becoming new again. And I know that after Regular Bars closed, and it closed, you know, in 2017, and by that point, I was like, eh, I don't know, it's just like, I don't, re like, it's not really a thing I'm into, or whatever, like, you know, even when I was little, I didn't even go, because I didn't, like, my parents didn't see me, any interest in me going, or whatever, but, like, if it, if it came back, which sounding promising than what you told me, is that I would give it a shot. I mean, I would love to see you guys do your thing too if you guys ever come to Chicago and do a show. But um, well, definitely. Well, that's also the big thing too is that I mean, you don't have to go to Ringling Brothers to be a circus fan. You know, people were always posting when they said they were closing. Oh, the circus is dead. It's gone. And but there's still like 32 traveling circuses in the U.S. Still, we're one of them. Um, people still like the circus. You don't hear about the circuses often because you have groups like PETA and stuff jamming us into the dirt um, for various reasons that aren't true and uh i mean the circus is still alive and well ringling brothers is just the biggest name possible but uh if they come back that'd be cool but one of the big things that kind of proved that circus was going to be a big thing to come back was actually the movie the greatest showman with hugh jackman when that came out and it stayed in theaters for almost a full year because people loved the music and loved the look of it mm -hmm. um it kind of proved oh hey people still like this why are we getting rid of this yeah, I seen I seen that movie and it was it was pretty it was actually pretty good. I watched it with my mom. We liked it. It was a nice movie. 
we actually rented out an entire theater, uh, Gaslight Circus, to um, we had a thing called Fan Night where uh, we rented out an entire auditorium, and uh, the first like couple hundred fans that could RSVP got to come watch that movie with us for free. Oh, that that's really that's really awesome. To, just that you can get a whole theater, just to have all your have all your guys and a few. Yeah, it was fans. like a giant family movie night kind of thing. Did you were you, were you did you guys have was it like free popcorn, free sodas on top of that, or was like no you got yeah we covered that. all of it. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, it was like, you guys like our show. You guys keep us in business. Let us repay you. Come watch this awesome circus movie with us. And they did. It was awesome. So, um, what, so like, if, if you guys, like, since you're such a wrestling fan and, and you're, you're a really smart guy, you, you know how to book things. Um, would you, would you, would you really like to do like a circus wrestling crossover thing? Like where it's like it's like an independent show, but said it's like there's like circus and stuff on top of that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. This is this has actually been talked about before um, within Gaslight Circus. Um, I have this this vision, right? If if somebody were to give me like a, a million dollars and say book your dream circus show, um, it would actually be part wrestling show, part circus show. So imagine like uh, I would put have it in like a coliseum or something, and you've got like two circus rings. You have um, or three circus rings actually. The old three rings format. One circus ring for performing. The mill ring would have a wrestling ring in it, and then the third ring on the end would be a circus performer. And we would alternate right on like different. Uh, you know, either have a match or two, or you'd have a circus performance, and you'd have like this two and a half, some odd three hour show maybe of circus and wrestling happening together hand in hand. And like uh, the idea of of reaching out to like indie stars and and uh, other companies to collab with it. Like, could you imagine a circus show where you just watched a tiger trainer? do its whole thing for like a 15 minute tiger act with lions and all that kind of cool stuff. And then immediately after that, you see like Cody Rhodes come out to his downstate track with like an, like an elephant or something. It'd be wild. Yeah. Because no, cause if you, if you, that, if that were to happen, let me tell you, I actually, inter- I'm, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but, but I actually interviewed psycho Sid and Sabu on my podcast. And so like, if you ever were to have that idea to, um, flourish into the way you want it to be. I can probably contact them and get in contact with you, so you can possibly have them on your show. Really cool, and I'm and I'm sure if I ever got it to happen, I probably couldn't get someone like Cody Rhodes or anything. But like, I think of the the bigger names who would have uh, that are current right now that would have that elaborate entrance. Like uh, another example would be like Chris Jericho coming out to Judas, but he's being on like a horse drawn chariot chariot or something with like fire and stuff coming up behind him. Something just something big, you know, something huge. Yeah, and like if you had Don Callis on the show, would would you bring Don Callis on your show as the network stooge Cyrus, or would you only have if a... only if he brings Kenny? Like if if Kenny can come play, then yeah, Don can come over. That that would be that would be amazing. I mean, I mean, like um, like where like if you were to do that, like um, where you have would you do the circus stuff during the intermission? Because you know independent shows had their intermission spots. So like, would you do the circus stuff during the intermission parts, or would you actually like go like match circus act, match circus act, like stuff like that? We'd probably have it alternate in such a way that like we would just have a flat regular intermission, so everybody can take a second to breathe. Um, that way, you don't overstimulate your audience or exhaust your performers. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll still just have a regular intermission, basically. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's cool. I mean, and that's good for everyone. Um, so, so like, I, with 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 that cool, awesome idea of wanting to be um, the the most important question I forgot to ask at the very beginning, which I should have, is where did the name come from? Oh, Gaslight Circus. Uh huh. So uh, it kind of uh, came as a, as a knockoff to another name that we were trying to use. So at the time that. Uh, the idea of opening my own show kind of began to float around in my head. I was working for these really small side shows called Mystic Circus and Painproof Punks and just really small bar shows that weren't really getting anywhere. And, um, you know, I'm talking hot dog and a handshake like shows uh, where you're really not getting a whole lot of money. Yeah. Um, when I first teased the idea of wanting to open a show, um, one of the people I was working with, his name is Alex, he was uh, he was making jokes saying, oh, we're not going to make as much money. We're just going to, you know, we'll make like gas money or something. And I said, well, you know, screw it. Let's call it gas money circus. Why not? Let's just make a joke of it and call it that. Um, and then 
I thought about it more and I thought about the things that I wanted to see in the show, the kind of themes. And I always have really enjoyed stuff like steampunk and Victorian era stuff. And um, while every show has different themes, our main theme has always been kind of a steampunk-esque feeling. Um, and then the name, uh, just Gaslight, just kind of was like, oh, hey, this is kind of that. Let's let's go with that. So uh, just Gaslight Circus, big G, little big L, you know? That, that's, re- that's really cool. Um, so like, so like since Gaslight's been, you know, on the down low and haven't really been doing much since COVID struck. Um, like what, like what, what you've been doing, um, like on the outside, like what, like what you've been, like what you've been doing in your personal life? Like, have you just been like watching, catching up on shows that you haven't been able to watch cause you've been so busy or do you like, um, do you like, you know, watch the product and watch other things and just like, do are you basically doing something you haven't been able to do because COVID hit? Uh, yeah, here and there, you know, um, before I got into circus and, and everything else, uh, you know, I, I love playing video games. So that's why I have a, you know, discord and stuff. Um, so I, I got the chance to catch and play some games. I hadn't gotten to play, um, watch, I've watched an ungodly amount of Netflix. It's ridiculous. Uh, of course I've watched the network and other wrestling shows and I've even watched old, older circus shows and newer circus shows and live stream, just kind of trying to keep my finger on as many pulses as possible. Um, but as far as like my own personal thing that I've been doing as uh, trying to keep stuff going is uh, I'm writing a book. That's about it, really. I've had the time to sit down and go, let's write a book. Let's just do that. Uh, so you have a book coming out? Uh, yes, hopefully this year. Um, it's a it's called uh, Circus Monkey Motivation, a uh, little perspective from the big top. It's my uh, circus career starting out up to this point and um just basically how i stayed motivated to kind of keep pushing and getting it done and working in an industry that a lot of people tend to write off and and just kind of dismiss or or tell me i can't do something or something that i can't succeed at well i I mean do you want to promote i mean if you want to please do i mean like this is well i mean i'm still writing it so it's not even it's not even on the publisher yet but i do have a publisher lined up and i'm hoping to get the publisher hoping to get it published out by maybe april or so uh that way i can you know, try to get it out by maybe May or June. So hopefully, hopefully summer this year, we'll see that book. Well, I mean, like, um, where, I mean, when it, when it does get published, well, are you going to do like, um, are you going to do signings? Are you going to like have people like, like do signings of the book and all that stuff? Like what Mick Foley did when his have a nice day book came out and all that. Uh, if, if the book gets over, yeah, for sure. Um, I think, I think to start, I'll probably sign a couple copies and sell them at shows when we do shows again. But uh, as far as a full on signing, uh, I'll probably decide that on whether or not the book actually people like it or not. What, um, uh, so like, this is, this is a two part question. Um, so like when it comes to circuit show, like when it comes to circuit shows, not circuit shows, circus shows. Um, it's, I know they're not like pay-per-views, like, like a wrestling thing is, but like, um, what's your favorite, like, what's your favorite circus show from what year? And what is your favorite wrestling pay-per-view that that's ever been, that's ever been done? Like, and it's a two-part question, you know? No, I can answer both of them. Um, my favorite circus show that I think I've ever seen, um, in, hmm. That's actually a very good question. I would have to say it's probably Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey uh, show the 126th anniversary show. Uh, it was the first show I ever got to go to. It was in 1996. I was like four, um, so I don't remember all of it, but I remember Jonathan the Iverson, of course. But I also remember seeing a human comet performance for the first time ever, which was basically I watched this guy. He's on a high platform and he's you know drenching himself in what I thought was water because you know dumb for you. What do I know? It was actually kerosene, and he's he's dousing himself and he lights himself on fire and falls off this platform onto a crash mat that is inflated like a stuntman, and he lands on it and it explodes and it was just imprinted in my head as the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Um, I can't say I've seen someone do a human comet since then. I'm sure they have, but I've never actually gotten to see it happen since. Human comet? Uh, I swear I almost saw that on Monday Night Raw recently. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, that's that, that definitely made me think of that. You know, Alexa Bliss uses Fireball. He's super effective. <laughs> Randy Orton miraculously heals in two weeks. <laughs> right. I saw that and was like... Like, as soon as he came up and he had the horribly burned face, I'm going to be like, he's going to be spotless in two weeks just for the rumble. Just wait. He's going to be perfect. It's going to happen. Sure, sure is nothing else. It's perfectly healed, you know. 
But yeah, for the uh, rest... it must be like the, the the tears of marks or something of some kind of little bottle potion. I don't know. <laughs> That'd be funny. But as far as wrestling pay per views, that that would be my favorite. Um, that would have to be um, that's a tie between two different companies. I've uh, been to both of these. Uh, the first one was, of course, uh, WrestleMania 25, because uh, just just for Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker, the first time uh, of, of their two WrestleMania matches, that alone was worth uh, my money to go from Arizona to Houston and stay for three days, like three times over. That was incredible to see in person and be a part of that live crowd. Mm-hmm. The other one is uh, TNA Bound for Glory 2013 because they had this killer ladder match between Austin Aries and Jeff Hardy that was uh, just super super underrated because like every you know when, when Impact was TNA it always has had the bad rap of being kind of a you know a really slung together show because it was the Hulk Hogan era and everything uh, but that ladder match was just something else plus I mean Hulk Hogan was there and like to that point as a wrestling fan I'd never gotten to see him in person before. So that was kind of a cool little thing, too. He couldn't move very well, and, you know, he, he had no business trying to put up a big boot. Like, his foot barely got off the ground, but it was still funny. Like, oh, hey, Hulk Hogan can't get in the ropes. All right. What um what wrestlers have you had the pleasure of meeting that you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm meeting you. It's so nice to meet you. You know, stuff like that. Uh, So my favorite one, uh, he's not actually even a wrestler. He was a general manager. Um, I was at Cyber Sunday 2008. That was the last Cyber Sunday they ever had. I think I got I got up to go to the, to the concession stand during like the Divas Halloween costume contest because I know those can drag on. So I was like, okay, this is a good time to get to go get something. And I'm over there at the uh, at the snack stand, and Teddy Long is behind me waiting to get a hot dog, and he's trying to play it cool, like. He's not standing there in his ridiculous shoulder padded plaid suit. And I just look back and I'm like, are you Teddy Long? And he's like, yep. <laughs> Did he put you in a tag team match against The Undertaker? <laughs> Thankfully, no. I just kind of looked at him and I was like, what are you doing out here? And he just goes, hot dog player. And I'm just like, ah, oh, this is the best. <laughs> That's amazing. I never, I was never that lucky. I mean, I wish I was, but I never was. Yeah, I mean, it could have happened to anybody, but it was just funny that, like, it, what was good was that, it, is, is that no one noticed it was him, really. Like, there were some people who were kind of doing double takes, but were thinking, like, no, there's no way Teddy Long would come out in the middle of, of, a, of a show, you know, and risk being seen by people. So I think people just thought he was a cosplayer, but, like, I knew because of, of the of main W shows, my favorite ones are SmackDown, so I'd watch Teddy Long all the time. And I was like, nope, this is this is Teddy Long, 100%. How it- how was Cyber Sunday like? How was it being the crowd for Cyber Sunday? Because that's actually one of my favorite pay-per-views. I really enjoyed that um, because I got the chance. I mean, I mostly wanted to go because I was super excited to see Umaga uh, perform in person for the first time. I'm a huge Umaga fan. Dude was gone way too soon. Um, so just for the match of Triple H versus Umaga, I was like, this is going to be great. But of course, you had Undertaker and Big Show in a last man standing match. Um, there was, of course, you know, Jericho versus Batista, where they had Gold Dust uh, show up for a match as well with Santino Morella. Then you had Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels doing uh, guest referee spots. McFoley did a guest referee spot. It was like a whole bunch of my favorite people just rapid fire, bam, 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 all at once in one show. Yeah, because um, can, can you tell where I got my podcast name from? <laughs> Oh yeah, no, I can't tell. No, I won't at all. Yeah, because no, I love no. I mean, Cyber Sunday was one of my favorites, but like, probably one. I mean, like, I really love the Great American Bash, though. I mean, that's like a nerd. That's like a oh yeah, bigger favorite of mine. The WCW days mainly, but the WWE days were not bad either. But right, I mean, it, it baffles me that like we don't have Cyber Sunday right now in in the technical age. Like, could you imagine a Cyber Sunday show where say you've got like. The fans get to vote on who faces Biggie for the IC title. They get to pick like Apollo or Shinsuke Nakamura or Sami Zayn, and like, of course, no one picks Sami. But then, for like weeks after that, you get the whole conspiracy voter fraud gimmick from Sami that just writes itself. Hey, dude, same. You know, no. Do you know how many? Yeah, because like back then, back in two thousand eight, people still had their little flip phones. Yeah, exactly. I had a flip phone at that time, and when they were like, vote now, and I flip it open, I'm like, how do I vote on this thing? I don't even know how to, I gotta go home first and get my computer. What? I don't know how to use my phone for this. Yeah, because, yeah, because like, you you would think in 2020 or 21 now, that, that you would think that since we have iPhones and, P, and PCs are, like, technology is really going up and beyond since 2008, and Cyber, right. Cyber Sunday in 
these ages would be probably be really good unless people are really like being like, oh, they screwed the booking. Like they like that's not what right. we voted for. And especially because it's like a it, in a time where there are no fans in person. I mean, I think the goal should be to be as interactive as possible. Like the Thunderdome's neat, but also I feel like a Cyber Sunday would be a really cool idea. Like we could totally drop, you know, uh, like TLC and make it Cyber Sunday. You know, we already have Extreme Rules. We can drop TLC and just do Cyber Sunday. I'm guessing you don't like TLC that much then. Uh, it's not that I don't like it. I like TLC matches. I, I think it's a little ridiculous when a pay-per-view is like, this is our theme, but like only one match is going to actually have that stipulation. Mm-hmm. It just seems like kind of a, a bit of a lazy, you know, storytelling. It's like how I always liked when, you know, when TNA did lockdown for the longest time, the six sides of steel, every single match was in the cage. Um, it just had a bit more of a stronger uniformity to it. And I feel like having a show called TLC, but only one match is a TLC match just seems a little lazy. Well, I mean, like if it was up to me, I mean, like, even though I'm a huge GCW fan and I know both of us are, but, um, if, if they got rid of extreme roles and replaced it with cyber Sunday, I'd be all right with that. Cause they don't even, they like, there's only like one, it's like TLC. They only use one match for extreme roles, but like, yeah, exactly. But like, but like, would you rather have Extreme Rules replaced with Cyber Sunday so we don't have the risk of getting TLC S TLC at like tables, layers, chairs, and stairs again? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose that would make sense. I just think that if there's, I get it, it's WWE trying to play it safe and not do a bunch of hardcore matches, but there there are plenty of safe ways to do hardcore matches and and still, you know, tell a good story. Like, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to seeing this this Kenny Omega John Moxley. Omega, they're going to do um, this homage to Mick Foley and Terry Funk's barbed wire explosion death match. Mm-hmm. That's going to be nuts. And I feel like there is still room to do gimmick matches and gimmick pay-per-views. And I don't know if the, it, it'd be kind of like being a circus and saying, okay, we're going to have clowns in this show. And then you have one clown at the very, very end. Like you're really not giving the folks and the fans what they want. They're not getting their money's worth. You should, you rather just, if you're going to do one circus per, one clown per show, you're just rather hire Frank the Clown. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I believe is... Only if the headliner is I get to fight Frank for Noel. <laughs> do you know what? We'll book that. <laughs> I, I could probably take Frank. I'm, I mean, I'm six foot five. I could probably take Frank. Our, our mate, our in-head Brock Lesnar guy be the ref. <laughs> Yeah, that what's his name? Parker Bordeaux, that new guy. What is his name? Um, I actually, I, I think his, I, f- I forget what his name is. He's just that he's that guy that everyone says looks like Brock and does like I don't know. I see him on Twitter all the time, but like, does he wrestle? I mean, what what is he? No, Brock, no Brock Lesnar guy. Is that, uh, supposedly he's from Chicago. Like I didn't know. Oh, that, that guy. Okay, we talk about two different people. Yeah, like like suppose like suppose like you know he's the guy who did the Brock Lesnar thing and he got really he got over because of it and. And now I know who we're talking about. Yeah, like, like I, I never got to meet him, but like he seems like a really nice guy, and I feel like if you guys were to do that match, he'd be the perfect ref because it's just meme after meme after Master of the Circus. That sounds about right. <laughs> and and plus, do do you think that like like anyone like do you think like if you were to ask Frank the Clown to be a clown in your circus, you'd be down for that? You'd be like, no, I'm not that kind of clown. You know, I don't know. Um, like, I, I only what I only know about him is what you saw on like you know Holy Foley and stuff on his Instagram and on like Noel Foley's Instagram. I don't actually know if he does any actual clown things or if he's just a doof wearing a wig. No idea. Never, never had the chance to ask. Well, you, that that'd be real interesting if if he did, um, if he were to do something like that. Um, so like, so like, where where do you see your circus? going after the COVID, like after the COVID has done its course and we're out of the COVID and we don't have to wear masks anymore and we can all get back together again and the circus can run once more. Um, where do you, where do you see yourself? Where do you see your guys going? 
Well, I, ideally, I'd like us to pick up where we left off. Um, right as things shut down and everything went crazy, um, we were going to make an appearance at a show called Fan Fusion, which is Phoenix, Arizona's version of Comic-Con. Um, that, that's a big you know, show get for us. We're going to be doing about three different shows over a course of four days. They were going to pay us to be there. They were going to comp our tickets. It was a whole, like our ship had come in, whole dream come true for us through that show. Um, we were going to use the momentum from performing for that to try and like go to the state fair or something and, and maybe try and find a, a theater or two to work on. Um, because just before, uh, just before COVID happened, I was also working for another company, uh, doing some performing. It was called Candytopia. It was a, a, a Willy Wonka's chocolate factory kind of thing where I was kind of a juggling Wonka more or less. And, uh, I met loads of really talented people working there, like theater performers and singers and writers and, you know, all these great new contacts. So, um, we were going to try and get together and put on some kind of theatrical show, uh, before things went crazy. So hopefully, you know, we're just going to kind of pick up right from that point because I'm hearing rumors right now that Phoenix Comic-Con might try to open this year in May. I'm not really holding my breath, but if it happens and they still want to book us, we're, we're going to show up. That's right. That'd be really awesome. I, I, I hope you guys kill it because you guys seem to be doing so freaking well so far from what I've heard through Charn and through you. So yeah, we do our best. Yeah. I mean like that, that's that. That's why I was. That's why I was thinking. Like maybe like, Cyber Time Bite and Gaslight can like, like collab on something just for funds. You know, like something like fun. Like that I would promote you guys, and you guys can promote me back, and it could be like a, be like a uh, like a, working together sort of thing. Something that could be something right. that, that'd be fun and promotional, and not seem so stingy or whatever. You know. Right. I mean, I mean, if as soon as the ball gets rolling, get with us doing stuff like right now. Yeah, we have our online series, but that's that's mostly just so we have something to do and entertain ourselves. Like if we weren't having fun doing it, we probably wouldn't take the time to do it as as diligently as we have. Um, but when we once we're doing live shows again and, and are, you know, able to, you know, do more collaborative things to a better effect. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because because I because after talking with, uh, with Charn and talking with you, it's you. I mean, like. You seem, you seem like a really smart guy. You know what you're doing. You you have the you have your your you have your inspirations. You you know where you want to go with it, and like in your plus your wrestling mark like I am. So like that's a plus. So Mark got it together. So I mean like I'm I'm re- I'm really proud of what you're doing. I think you're doing a fantastic job. You got you like I said you like I said with all those reasons I was talking about. Um, I'm just you guys are doing great. I hope you guys like go up and beyond from here. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Was there anything? Was there anything like while we were talking? Was there anything that you that you're interested in to know about me, just in any way? Uh, well, I mean, you said you started getting on podcasting and stuff, uh, and of course, you're a wrestling fan. Uh, well, how long have you been podcasting? Actually, I was curious about that. I've been well. I've been doing this podcast for three years, but I actually started podcasting back in 2014 um, because when I, after I graduated high school, I didn't know what I was going to be, right? So I, I wasn't really thinking about it. And so, and so, like, I went, I ended up going to broadcasting school for one year. And um, it's called the Illinois Center for Broadcasting. Now it's called the Illinois Media School nowadays. But um, I went there for a year. And after that, I took a break. For a year, I sat around doing nothing, and then I got my job. And after I got my job, I started doing a podcast called Adventure Time Guys with my friend Cameron, and um, he lives in Ohio. And he, um, we did, we did that for a while. We started really bumpy. I'm talking like microphone up to the speaker of your radio fart sort of thing. And we we did that for the longest time. And then after Adventure Time started ending, and we were losing content. I was like, oh, we we did a few interviews on ATG, like you know, like what we're doing now. But I said I had my co-host, and we were doing the Adventure Time guy stick, and I wanted to actually do that for myself with my own brand, with my own name and sort of branding thing and all that stuff. And so I was like, I'm just gonna do that because Adventure Time guys isn't doing very well right now. And so, so like you know, two years ago now, because I'm in my third year, so two years ago, I um. I started Cyber Time Bite, 
And the original idea was that Cyber Time Bite was going to be a C-Jam show, which is a radio station I made that is now long gone because Radio.co really charges you up the yin-yang to keep it alive. And so I shut down C-Jams, and then I cut and I brought Cyber Time Bite like that same year or maybe around that same month. And i just been going and going and going and going, you know, until, you know, for... Like, I just never stopped. It just became natural for me. Because, because like, I would just go on Instagram, Facebook, email, uh, anywhere where cosplayers are, people exist. And I would just, like, ask them, like, hey, would you like to come on my podcast to talk about such and such, whatever interested me? And, you know, and then I kept doing that, and here we are today. That is a solid story, man. I'm coming a long way. Hey, thanks, man. I mean, like, I, I really, I really, I, I really been trying to make the most of what I've been doing with this podcast. I mean, like, I, I've done panels for this podcast. I've, I've been to, I've done this podcast in two co- local comic book stores because I'm a huge comic book nerd. And, you know, I've just been doing whatever, whatever it takes, you know, doing interviews, like going on other people's podcasts and doing interviews just to get the name out there and, Doing my and doing panels and whatever at conventions to get also my name out there. So I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, I'm even though I'm three years in, I still think I'm still treading very slowly. Hey, you gotta start somewhere and you gotta get somewhere, right? Yeah, that's right. Home, um, oh yeah, and I guess I guess something else. I've, I've I, since we're on that subject, what I was gonna t- ask you about is that you do your own podcast, right? I sure do. Tell, tell us about it. So my podcast is called Cutting Up Jackpots. It's an old circus uh, carny lingo for just hanging out, telling stories with your friends. Uh, I talk about uh, different parts of circus history, uh, current news in the industry, and then either have some topic that I'll talk and rant and rave about myself, or I'll have different guests on, like different circus performers, uh, different uh, members of Gaslight Circus, artists, stuff like that. Uh, like one of my last guests, I had my friend uh, Ryan Drake on. He performed as an acrobat for Cirque du Soleil, kind of like what Mason Ryan's doing right now. Uh, but he performed in Zoomanity, which was like the first Cirque du Soleil show that really took off in the states. Yeah, because yeah, because that's really that's really awesome. Have you ever had Mason Ryan on your show? Uh, I have not. I, I actually don't know uh, if uh, that'd be something I could do. I definitely think I'd probably try and ask Jonathan the Irison though, see if he uh, comes on. No, dude, that'd be that'd be awesome if you were able to get that done. I mean, like I tried to get him on my podcast, but he was really busy and he wasn't able to do it. But like that would have been really cool if I would have got him because he seems like a really nice person. I would love to sit him down. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, hope, uh, hopefully, hopefully one day where I can be on your podcast, I would love to. I would love to support your show and and like do an interview with you if you want if you want to turn the tables one day. <laughs> yeah. That- Fun. Uh, I currently do the podcast in like in like seasonal chunks. So uh, next week's episode is actually the season finale, and then it's probably going to go on like a month long hiatus. But for season three, definitely let's talk. Yeah. So can are you are you okay telling the people? Um, because like by the time this gets uploaded, I don't know if that episode will be uploaded yet. But like, um, you want to just say anyway, so people who listen to this can be like, oh yeah, I want to go listen to that. Like your latest episode. Who's gonna, who you're going to have on? Oh, yeah. Latest episode I'm going to have on, it's going to be a collective of a couple different performers. So um, one of my biggest performance gigs that I do out there is at the Arizona Renaissance Festival. And because the festival didn't open this year because of COVID, uh, a lot of our performers don't really have anything to do normally. So what we're doing at the moment is um, I'm going to have people on next Sunday and we're going to talk a bit about the Renaissance Festival entertainment industry and uh, different festival stories and things like that and how we're dealing with not being able to perform out there this year and stuff like that. That. That's really that's really cool and really epic. Um, we've been going we've been going an hour and three minutes, but that's but but that's but that's fine because we've been having a lot of fun and we've been asking really awesome and interesting questions. You know. Yeah. No, it's been good. Yeah. So, so, but so I guess this is a good time to wrap it up. And I want to say thank you for coming on. You've been awesome. You've been really great. You've been really informative. You've been really nice and it, it 
I'm glad that I have you on. I had you on because it was really nice to um, figure out more about the circus thing because like I haven't really, I didn't really know much about it like the in depth things, but I think you really like opened up my eyes to what it really could be like. Oh yeah, definitely happy to be on. Thanks for having me, of course. Hey, no problem. So I'll I'll do my outro and I'll let you I let you do yours. Um, thank you everyone for listening to. Uh, to Cyber Time Bite episode 139. You can find me on Facebook at Cyber Time Bite. You can follow me on Twitter at Nostalgia Vamp. You can follow you can follow me on Instagram at Nostalgia Vampire. And you can buy all my merchandise on redbubble.com under Crash Steven Gear. Where where you where even you know that you can buy that not buy. Even you know that the spork is almighty. Because I have my sports shirt, you can sit, you can buy and all that stuff. And last plug for me is that you can is that I have a friend, um, of which I forgot to bring up in this interview, but I'll just say it now. Um, I have a friend who goes by Tiff ninety three KD on Instagram. She does a panel at she does a panel at conventions called Circus Stock, which I forgot to bring up. Um, I know Circus Stock. What's that? Yeah, I know what that is. Circus Stock. No, no, no! Circus Stuck. Oh, cool! It's home. It's it's this thing called Homestuck. It's a web comic. I don't know if you know about it, but um, yeah, yeah, I know about it. Yeah, it's basically that. And my friend this literally does like a circus twist on it. Like the characters are dressed like circus actor pr- things, and and my friend my friend actually plays the ringmaster. Um, so that's awesome. And so like um, yeah. So go on the teespring.com. Put in circus stuck, and you'll get, and you can find the T-shirt that everyone's clamoring over to get, and you don't have to go for me to get it anymore. You can just go and buy it yourself. And so, there it is. And um, yeah, that's pretty much for me. How about you? Where can people go find you? You can find us on uh, GaslightCircus.com. You can find us on Facebook and uh, YouTube. And um, all of it's under. Circus, or you can find us on Anchor.com, Apple Podcasts, um, under uh, Cutting Up Jackpots. That that's really awesome. Um, so yeah, if so, if that's everything. That's everything then. Um, yeah. I, hope, I hope everyone here has a fantastic day, and um, have a good one. Sign down the road. <laughs>